Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength, right? Man, that's good. Thank you. That... Wow. Uh, Sandy laid those lyrics on my desk this morning, and... and uh, very fitting and uh thank you sandy well uh this is if you were here uh bc before covid um this would be the time that we continue we would continue our worship by passing those plates and uh i don't honestly not even sure if we'll ever ever get back to that moment of passing the plates um, but we firmly believe that whether it's BC or AC uh, or DC during COVID or after COVID, um, that generosity and giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship because we give out of what God has given, um, whether we have little or we have much. And so uh, there are joy boxes at the exits. Um, or entrances, depending on your perspective. Um, and you can go online to wapaknaz.org. Uh, there are several ways that you can uh, worship the Lord and trust Him with your, your, your finances uh, by giving. And so we invite you to do that if you haven't, haven't already started to do that. And we are grateful. Uh, we try to be great stewards of what God has given us. So, man, has it been good already today? And then there's going to be like ice cream sundaes for kids. Like, we can maybe sneak out a little early and go get them. I don't know. Maybe the pastor will let you do that. Um, so, uh, man, I, I just, before, before we go into the Word of God today, I, I just have this sense that we just need to continue in a spirit of prayer. Paul says pray continually. That's really hard, but just having that spirit of prayer. Um, so would you just bow your heads and and uh, I'd like for you to talk with the Lord, and I would like for you to invite Him now to speak into your spirit, into your mind and heart. Will you do that? Just go ahead and, and ask Him. And then will you tell Him, Lord, give me the strength to do what you speak into me. Father, our ears are open. Our hearts are open. And we ask that you do speak. Young and old and everyone in between, will you speak? And uh, may we do as you speak into our spirit. 
It's in Jesus' name that we ask. Amen. Uh, well, if you're, you're just joining us today, uh, really glad that you have just started joining us today. Uh, we've been on a series called Dangerous Prayers. Um, this isn't anything new. This actually is inspired by a friend of mine who was on the trail. I was on the trail with him back in, in June, and he said, hey, have you ever heard of this book called Dangerous Prayers? And I said, no, I have not. And he said, it's by Craig Groeschel. And uh, he said, I actually preached this series, a series called Dangerous Prayers. And my wife and I were talking about um, what dangerous prayers that we could pray. And that's the only thing I really remember of that conversation. And ever since that conversation in June, I just continued to think through what are some dangerous prayers. And I had never read the book. I still haven't read the book. And um, I just started... Um, listening to the series uh, just a few weeks ago and did the devotional series myself on vacation and I thought this is something that we need to walk through um, not everything's going to be it's not exactly the same so um, as as Craig Rochelle did but I, I sensed that we needed to throw some fertilizer throw some fertilizer on our our walk our journey. And so last week, um, our prayer came out of the Psalms, the book of Psalms from David, Psalm 139. And the prayer was, God, search me and show me. And I hope that you were brave enough to ask this dangerous prayer. Because Safe prayers are, well, they're safe. Isn't it safe to feel safe? Right? It's safe to feel safe, even if it's a false safety. It's safe to feel safe. However, in our relationship with Christ, um, safety is the furthest thing from the kingdom of God. Quite frankly, the reason that you have eternal life or the option for eternal life, is because Jesus chose everything else except safety. In fact, he left the security and the majesty of heaven and dwelled among us as a vulnerable baby and grew to a man who chose surrender and emptiness, chose hours of suffering and death to bring life. So it is our challenge over the course of this month of September to begin this process, this asking of dangerous, audacious, radically transformative prayers to our Lord. Next week, we're going to ask that God use me and send me not just me but you god use me and send me and in two weeks uh two weeks we'll be at the y remember 10 a.m not 11 10 a.m two weeks we'll be at the y and and we're going to be asking that god make us bold which is absolutely opposite of safe and secure but it makes sense that today we move from god search me and show me Search me and show me anything that's offensive in me. 
and lead me into the way of everlasting. Moving from that prayer to God, break me. God, break me. And quite frankly, this is going to be one of those prayers that a majority of you in this room will not ask. Because of all the prayers that we're talking about this month, this is probably the most dangerous, vulnerable prayer that we could pray and ask the Lord in our life. Because none of us like to be broken. I mean, quite frankly, I was walking down the aisle at Lowe's just this past week with my wife. We were walking down the aisle in the very far back by all the appliances. And there was a nice refrigerator. Beautiful. It's gorgeous. Double doors. Had the drawer on the bottom for the freezer. It was huge. You could put a lot of food in there. It was like more than half off. Why? Because there was just a bit of damage. No one likes broken stuff. They send it back. Give me what I paid for. No one likes brokenness. They send it back. But quite frankly, brokenness Brokenness is the avenue to blessing. So I, I double dog dare you. No, no, I triple dog dare you. The coup de grace of all dares. It's my favorite movie. I triple dog dare you. To not mentally get up out of your pew and walk out the doors today. I triple dog dare you to be present and not think to yourself, Ambrose, you're wasting your breath because I'm never going to use the breath that I have to ask this of God in my life. Before the oak tree is the acorn. Before the flower is the kernel of wheat. Before the wine is the grape. And before the olive, or before the oil, is the olive. So it was 2007, Christmas break. Last few days. And the month and a half before had been a very difficult time. I was a mess. I hadn't been sleeping all that much. And would you believe it? I hadn't been eating. I know, a Nazarene not eating, it's an oxymoron. It doesn't happen. I, I was a mess. And I knew that day that I needed to make a phone call that I didn't want to make. But I had to make it. I knew I had to make it. the reality had not really set in to me what happened a month and a half ago or a month ago. 
and I was fighting the reality. I was denying the reality. Before Thanksgiving weekend, Thanksgiving Day weekend, I had a ring, an engagement ring, on my shelf in my bedroom. I went and looked at that ring often, anticipating, expecting a future to unfurl, right? But as you can guess, following Thanksgiving Day weekend, literally on the car, in the car on the way home, things began to unravel. And it spilled over onto the couch and chair in my home that evening. And by Monday afternoon, having left work early because I just couldn't work, by Monday afternoon, all of that future that I anticipated in that symbol of that ring had vanished before my eyes. The truths, the hidden truths, and the familial opinions about me had come out. And it's really hard to hear those things that you fear about yourself being used. Amen. Yeah. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. And, well, that's good stuff. That preaches. But in that moment, all of those hidden things were exposed. And it, it's really difficult to hear what you fear about yourself being used for the re- as the reasons why somebody doesn't believe in you any longer. And so for that next month and a half or so, it was just, it was walking through molasses on a cold day. It's really hard, right? And so I had written a letter to her father. I thought I needed to do that. I needed to fight for what I thought was right. But I didn't hear anything from her father. And so, there I am, that cold January day towards the end of Christmas vacation, and I knew I needed to make the phone call. And I was still a mess. So the only place that I thought I could make that phone call was at, down at the altar at the church. So with the letter in hand and my flip phone, it's 2007. No invention of the iPhone yet. Um, at least I don't know. I don't remember. They were, if they were, they were too expensive for me to buy. So, but with my flip phone and the letter, I was on my knees at the altar, and I dialed the phone, and it rang, and it rang, and he picked up. Stoic and stone. We had a very brief conversation and I was cut like 
with his words like a knife. And then we hung up. And in that moment, I was a broken human being. You could have used bounty sheets and wiped me up off the floor. Because they're pretty absorbent. And there was a lot of me. Pieces shattered. The reality I was facing, or the reality that was needing faced, was right there. That wasn't the only time in my life that I've had these broken Stephen moments. But this, I'd never experienced before. So before there was Amy, my wife, before there was Pastor Stephen, before there was Wapak Naz, before there was the seminary degree, before there was Winans, before there were all these other things, there was broken Stephen. And this moment was one of those catalysts to the formation of my deep faith in Christ. Yes, I knew Christ at that time. So I had a lot of questions for him. But this was as if, like, you know how farmers throw manure on the field in the fall? It's about time for that. You know when you walk out of your house and you take that whiff? Oh, nasty. It's country, man. It's a smelly country. That was what I felt like I smelled like. Because there was a bunch of manure just heaped onto me. And for the first time, David's words rang true for my life. From Psalm 51, verse 16 and 17. David says this, You do not delight, God, you do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Contrite, we don't really use that term a whole lot. It means humbled, laid out flat on your face. A broken and humbled heart, literally shattered like that plate you drop on the kitchen floor. This is the picture that David is trying to convey for your heart. A broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you do not despise. In a little bit better language, easier to understand because I'm a little simple kind of guy. Going through the motions doesn't please you, God. A flawless performance is nothing to you. I learned God worship when my pride was shattered. Heart shattered lives ready for love. 
Don't for a moment escape your notice. Before the oak is the acorn. Before the flower is the weed of kernel, kernel of wheat. Before the wine is the grape. And before the oil is the olive. The acorn must break and die for a sapling to take root. The kernel of wheat must be ground to become flying flour. The grape must be crushed to release its juice. And the olive must be pressed for there to be oil. Just minutes before Jesus' arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane, he took the remaining 11 disciples. Bless you. Wonderful. When people burp in church, it's great. I love it. Means the dish is good, right? The meal's great. Jesus had taken his 11 disciples. At this moment, Judas, that's, we're short one because Judas had already put things into motion for the betrayal. He took 11 disciples to a familiar place. It's called the Garden of Gethsemane. A familiar place because Jesus would often go there himself along with his disciples to pray. This is why Judas knew where Jesus was to get Jesus arrested. Judas had been there many times. And Jesus took the 11 disciples and chose three specific ones, Peter, James, and John, the, the, the inner circle of his band of brothers, and asked them to go a little further. And as he went a little further, he just kind of ripped open his chest cavity and said, I am overwhelmed to the point of sorrow. Stay and watch with me. Stay and pray. Because Jesus, the Son of God, who is fully man and fully God, was physically dealing with anguish because he knew what was about to happen. He knew that there was going to be a broken moment that lasted for hours and ended in the last breath that he was about to take. And so Jesus, going a stone's throw further, laid himself out like a puddle at the altar. And Luke describes it as this. He knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And it continues. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. The word Gethsemane literally means olive press. In order for there to be oil, it needs to be pressed. And Jesus would often go to the olive press to pray. Because prayer is pressing. So that the oil can come out of you. The extra virgin olive oil, the pureness can come out and also be put into you. And here, 
you see that his body is under so much stress. He literally begins to sweat blood. The first, the first juice, the first oil coming out. This is a process called hermatidosis. Drosis, hermatidrosis. Ask those that are in the nursing profession if I pronounced it correctly, because I'm not sure. But the body can literally begin to sweat blood under excruciating circumstances. And as I was preparing this morning and praying and thinking through this, I really wondered, I wonder if Jesus wrestled with what he was about to do well before this moment each time he came to the Garden of Gethsemane. In this moment, Jesus wrestled with the will of God. God, this is what you have for me. These are the circumstances that are ahead of me. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can deal but I know that there's a greater purpose ahead. So not what I want, but what you want. He wrestled. And he literally was a broken, contrite spirit and heart. Just hours before this, hours before this, hours before he was in this moment, hours before Judas would come and betray him with a kiss, hours before his other 11 disciples would scatter. The olive press, right? Hours before this moment, all 12 were gathered. All 12 were gathered at a table in an upper room. And they were celebrating the Passover meal. They were looking over their collective shoulder as a nation, just like we did recently. We looked over our collective shoulder, and we remembered. And they were remembering through a meal, a slaughtering of a lamb, bitter herbs, wine, and song. They were remembering God's deliverance of His people under Egyptian captivity and oppression. They themselves were being pressed and they called out to God and He heard them sending Moses and the plagues and the Lord set this day. Remember this. Commemorate this. Don't forget this. Celebrate it. And so Jesus with His disciples, all twelve, all twelve, were around the table and they were sharing the meal. And Jesus, this is a moment where all things kind of intersect, past, present, and future. They intersect at this table. And Jesus said, while they were eating, Jesus took bread. He took bread. Gave thanks. Thank you, God, for this food. It was a real short and sweet prayer. Not like the prayers of your pastor that are long, 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 long. And then he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. 
you and I, if you've been around the church and you've read scriptures, you would be hard-pressed not, not to think of that miraculous moment, that miraculous miracle on the mountainside, on the hillside, where there were 5,000, only counting the men, meaning there were probably about ten to 15,000 people. And Jesus, with five loaves and two fish from a, a lunch from a boy, it says, taking the five loaves and two fish, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then what did he do? He gave it to the disciples. And the disciples gave it to the people. We would be hard-pressed not to remember the feeding of the 4,000. Then he took seven loaves and fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them. And he gave them to the disciples, and they in turn to the people. Do you see a pattern? Do you see the pattern? In brokenness. Brokenness allows for the miracle. Brokenness multiplies the miracle. Brokenness enables the pouring of the blessing. Folks, God, search me and show me. Lead me in the way of everlasting. And now, oh God, break me with what you've shown me. Because in the brokenness comes the blessing. It pours out. And so now back at the table, these disciples, remembering all these things, pulling all these things together. This is Matthew, by the way. Matthew is one of Jesus' disciples. He's literally witnessing everything going on. He's literally sitting at this table. And I think Matthew kind of figured it out as he processed over time. Man, when we were at the table, that was just like when we were on the hillside, when people were hungry. And he broke it. He gave thanks. He broke it. And he gave to us. That was like the time when there were 4,000 people. He took the bread and the fish. He broke it. He had given thanks. He broke it. And he gave it to us. And we distributed it out. This is just like that. Oh, man. And Jesus wasn't necessarily just looking backward. He was looking forward. He was looking to the cross. He was looking to that moment where he himself would be broken. He was looking to the olive press, where he would be pressed and squeezed. He gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to the disciples. And this time, this time, this time, the disciples, they weren't giving it to other people. They were taking it in themselves. And he said, take and eat. This is my body. And then, while they were eating, Jesus took the bread and gave it and, and broke it. And he gave thanks and gave it to his disciples. Take this in my body. And then he says, then he took the cup. The cup. Oh, he gave thanks and offered it to them. All of them. Even Judas. He said, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant. There's a lot of layers in there. We don't have time for that. But this is the blood of my covenant. The new covenant. Which is poured 
poured. Poured out for the many, for the forgiveness of sins. Folks, before the wine is the grape. Jesus himself said, I am the vine and you are the branch. Go and bear fruit. He is the first fruits of the dead. The first fruit of the resurrection. He himself will be squeezed and pressed so that there would be new wine in the wineskin. He said, this is my blood. Take and drink. It is poured out for the forgiveness of many. Because of Christ's brokenness, we have forgiveness. Because of His brokenness, there is grace. There is mercy. That is the only way that we have grace and mercy and forgiveness and new life and eternal life and life on this side, abundant. Broken and poured. Broken and poured. Folks, we often do communion to remember this moment. But I don't think it's Jesus is just thinking, hey guys, hey church, every now and then when you kind of feel like it, kind of get some bread and some juice. Remember what I did. Do this in remembrance of me. I think he was thinking about that sacred act, but I think he was also thinking about those moments in between the sacred acts of remembrance that we do on a Sunday morning as the body of Christ. Because as Jesus was in his ministry, he said these words, If anyone would come after me, he or she must deny him or herself and take up his cross or her cross daily and follow me. This is a life of brokenness. He is calling all to brokenness in order that we may experience the blessing and the forgiveness. He's asking and calling all to have broken spirits and contrite hearts This is a process. You get extra virgin olive oil in that first press. Then you get virgin olive oil and then you just get oil. The oil is used in the lamps to light the homes, but it takes a lot of pressing. There's a lot of goodness in you. And there's a lot of goodness in God that He wants to put in you. But there are a lot of things in us that need to be pressed out of us so He can put it in us. Take up your cross daily. He's not saying, well, that, that headache that I have for a week is my cross to bear. Oh, that son or that daughter, those are my crosses to bear. That person that gets under my skin at work, oh, my cross to bear. 
Uh-uh. The cross that we are to bear is so that we may bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Not something that you must endure because it's just a life circumstance. So, Paul, the apostle, at the end of his life, writing to his mentee, Timothy, a person that he's been with and served with and sent out and loved dearly. Paul writes his epitaph, and he says, for I'm already being poured out, poured out like a drink offering, for the time for my departure has come. If Paul is saying, I'm being poured out now, it means he's been broken for a long time, time and time and time again. He has a resume of brokenness. This is a daily ask. God, break me. When he was at the table, he took the bread and gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Their eyes were open and they recognized him. Following the resurrection, literally on Resurrection Sunday, when all things seemed lost, when his disciples were not only grieving but confused and celebrating all at the same time when emotions were just like bouncing off the walls and no one really understood what was going on. I don't know about you, but that's my daily. I don't get it. Two of the disciples, not of his 12, they were a part of the larger, greater group that was following Jesus. Two of his disciples were heading back to home in this town called Emmaus, about seven miles away from Jerusalem. And Jesus happened to come upon them and come beside them, and they didn't recognize him. He was the unrecognized Jesus. And so Jesus kind of played dumb, and they started telling him, Hey, have you heard about the things going on in town? What things? That's the all-knowing one going, What things you talk about? And so Jesus begins to unravel the scriptures from Moses and the law of the prophets, talking about himself. Hey, this is what the Old Testament says about me, the Messiah. And for seven miles, they have this conversation, and Jesus is unpacking this, and they still don't know who this guy is. I don't know who you are. But they have this wonderful conversation, and Things are happening on the inside of them. They're like, man, this is something strange. And those, they say, come and join us and sit at our table. And Jesus sits at their table. He was invited into their home. Generally, the person whose home it is, is the one that breaks the bread and gives thanks and distributes it to the rest of the guests. But no, Jesus, Jesus is the one who gives thanks for the bread, breaks it. And distributes it. Huh. Huh. I don't know if you're catching it. Let me say huh one more time. It's like a meme. You've got to look at it a few times before you get it. Huh. And as soon as they received it, their eyes were opened. Their eyes were opened. Brokenness. 
brokenness. God, break me. When God begins to break you, you begin to see Christ, the Messiah, so much more clearly than you did before. And God wants you to see him so much more clearly than you do now. you know him in the brokenness your eyes are opened before the oak is the acorn before the flower is the kernel of wheat before the wine is the grape before the oil is the olive the acorn must break and die for the sapling to take root. The kernel of wheat must be ground to become fine flour. The grape must be crushed to release its juice. The olive must be pressed to release its oil. The oak, the wheat, the grape, and the olive are all fruit from a seed sown in broken and fertile soil. There were all seeds that were sown. And in the fertile soil, they themselves broke and died, that there may be fruit. Through the prophet Hosea, the Lord called to the people of Israel, Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. And break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until He comes and showers righteousness on you. In Wapak, in this area, we understand farmers who've cultivated their fields sometimes turn the soil over and leave it for a season. Why? So that soil can rest and eventually become fertile. But something interesting happens. If you leave it resting for longer than it should, that soil becomes quick to grow weeds and thorns. The whole purpose is so that the soil can be fertile to receive the seed, that the seed may go into the ground, be sown, die, break open, and produce the crop. Folks, God is calling for His people. Your land is idle, and it's been idle for too long. You need to break your land. Break it up. Till it. Allow for Him to sow his unfailing love. Because if your land has been sitting and idle for too long, you are not ready to receive what he has for you. If you've ever wondered, why have I not experienced the love of God deeply in my life? You might ask yourself, have I been broken? Have I allowed him to break me? Have I allowed him to Turn my soil that I may receive what He has for me. He's calling you to ask Him. 
Break me, O God. Break me now. So I dare you. I triple dog dare you to be brave and courageous to ask him to break you, to turn it over, that you may experience and receive the unfailing love that he so desires to sow in you, that you may become productive and fruitful in your life. Would you please stand? bow your heads we're almost done I dare you in this moment I challenge you whether you are far from God whether you are close to God whether you have Christ in your life and you just became a believer and follower in Jesus, or whether you have been with Jesus for a long time, this is a prayer that I challenge you and ask that in this moment you ask God to do. This is the most courageous you thing that you can do today. So, Lord God, in this moment, God, I want to receive more of you in my life. You dealt with all the big things early on, but there's still little things that I'm not even aware of in my own life. Search me and show me of those things. Because you know that the little things are not little things, they are big things. They allow the weeds and the thorns to grow all around me. So Lord, I ask that you break me. I am not flipping in that. You know my heart. You've done it before, even when I didn't ask. I feel like I've been breaking for a long time. I mean, it's 2020. You know what that means. So, Father, we come before you as a body, as a group of people that don't have it all figured out. We are imperfect, and we come to the perfect God. And we ask, Lord God, that you break us. Because if we are going to be any remotely fruitful in our life, then we need broken. If we want your blessing, we need to be broken. This is courageous. This is being strong and courageous. By being broken before our God those that have said yes I'm going to pray this and I, I just bring it before you Lord God I'm asking that you do it I'm not going to tell you how to do it because you don't need told how to do that 
But I'm just, will you do it? And may they see that it is you and that you have so much to give him, give them, so much to pour out in them. That brokenness is the beginning of, of blessing and usefulness. Will you do it? We love you, God. We praise you, God. It's in your name that we ask today, O oh Lord. Amen. I love you. Some of you, I don't even know you yet. I love you. So does the Lord. He cares deeply for you. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and all your strength. And we please love your neighbor as yourself. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to the Wapak Nas podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.